up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Tim Burton. He and I have known each other since junior high, uh, since we both attended this peer mediation helper. It, w- it was called Natural Helpers. It was this mediation group that our respective junior highs uh, sent us on this retreat to learn how to be therapists. We talk about that in the show. We also talk about the fall of Facebook, Chicago, El Cajon, Natural Helpers, Photosynthesis, Black and White Culture, Staple Singers, Gebbets, Energy, Singularity, Freemasonry, Promotions, Repetition, Edward Scissorhands, Masterminds, Engineering, The Loft, 9-11, and The Decade-Long Hangover, which led us into conservatism. Personal Media, Submission Entertainment, MMA, Kill a Priest and Dilated Peoples, Satin Lounge, Jim Curtin, Artist Union, Lazy Assholes, Blast TV, Stress Balls, and Meth and Red. So we'll get into all that in a minute. Um, of course, I got to take care of the business end of this thing. Go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com where you can link to the blog and get all the information about each guest. You can also find links to, to information uh, in videos. Usually if you haven't seen that yet, I, I put up a bunch of weird stuff. Um, there's also links to the iTunes, and if you don't use iTunes, there's a link to the Facebook fan page, which I'd like to get more likes on. If you can go over there and like that, that'd be great. And you can also listen to the podcast directly through my website. So make sure you go check all that out. The business shit as well. Um, there's a PayPal link so that you, if you're interested in the show and are enjoying what you hear, you can go and make a donation over there. Um, we just received our first two sponsors, which I'm actually going to be announcing on the next show. We received a sponsorship from a local company who I've been semi-associated with in the past, which I'm, I'm happy to announce next on the next episode of the podcast. We also have a t-shirt sponsor um, who is going to be donating merchandise to the guests who do the show. Um, for the gift bags and things that I do for the people that, that do the show. And we'll figure out ways to do some some uh, giveaways for the listeners. Also, uh, I want to give a big shout-out to John Zimmerman, who also made a big donation this past week, which, along with the sponsorship, is going to allow me to get a new mic, which is going to make the show sound so much better. As some of you who have listened to multiple shows notice sometimes a little uh, metallic ping shows up sometimes and it's just something in this old mic that it rattles when I talk too loud or something silly so it makes that sort of annoying ping and it'll be so nice to have that gone and have a little bit smoother sound and the goal is to get two of those mics soundboard and and the whole thing so that everything sounds real smooth and, and professional so um, with all that said I want to get ready for the show um we have a pair of tickets to give away actually we have two sets of tickets to give away so four total tickets for dilated peoples on february 26th at fourth and b so what i'm going to do i talk about it in the show but what i'm going to do is the first two people to email me with dilated peoples in the subject the first two people to email me at info at MikeMaxwellArt.com. Um, if you're in San Diego, you'll get these these tickets. Uh, it's 21 and up with an ID. So if you're not 21 and up in, in San Diego, please don't, um, don't email. If you happen to do that and you know somebody that could you can give the tickets to, I'm cool with that. But um, don't waste the space, I guess. That sounds kind of douchey, but you know what I mean. And we also have some Killer Priest tickets. We have three sets of these tickets to give away as well. So if you are interested in those, again, email me at info at MikeMaxwellArt.com and we'll set everything up so that we can get you these tickets in time for the show. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Tim Burton. Do this thing. So let's smoke these OGs. I haven't tried this shit yet. Dog's breath is pretty tasty. I like dog's breath. Dog's is shit. That's probably, I think that's the best strain that the joint healing has. The breath of a hog. (laughs) We got so many shows coming up with it. We got like 50 shows coming up in the next five months. 
That's crazy. Don't tell nobody I told you this, but... Um, you know we're being recorded right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got some big names coming down. We got some, uh, quite a few big names. Yeah. We got, um, Killer Priest is obvious, of course, Annihilated. Uh, we've also, I brought down Planet Asia, Tash from the Licks, uh, mm-hmm. Twista, actually. I brought him down as well. Um, you know, just all of my favorite guys growing up for the most part. I just grab them and bring them to San Diego and then open up for them. That's pretty rad. That's, um, so when I was running the Voice Left 56 gallery, that's, that was sort of my thing too, was I was trying to expose San Diego people to artists from other places that maybe they didn't really know about or didn't have an opportunity to, to see, yeah. you know, cause music is different cause you can hear it on a disc, you know, you don't get that same performance aspect, but you get to hear that art. Whereas seeing paintings, it's sometimes better to be there and see it on the wall and actually exactly. experience it. Because it's hard to um, interpret a digital format of something when it's, as opposed to something that's really live, yeah. <laughs> something that's right before your eyes. That's what's so cool about the internet now, because before, there wasn't that many people being able, having the opportunities to go see all this art. But now every artist has a website, every artist yeah, has exactly. Facebook, has a YouTube, has the whole fucking thing. Got a Are your sponsors from Facebook and YouTube? <laughs> Fuck, I wish try to get some of that dough. They, I think I think they have a hand in everybody's uh, situation, regardless if you know it or not. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. just by uploading all. your stuff to YouTube or or Facebook, even by participating in a Facebook fa- like fad that'll probably live forever at this point. Um, have you heard? There's a conspiracy theory that Facebook is going to go down on March 15th. Uh, no, yeah, they, have you heard that? Yeah, I have. I have, I have. That's I'm why, not giving it any credence or anything. No, but that's what yeah, I mean. that's why I stated that it's going to last forever because I think that just like the Android platform, the Facebook platform or the idea of Facebook is probably one of the greatest networking ideas in the history of networking. Like, I mean, there's I there's ideological identical versions of it that I use in the NoCEO uh, website. We have a basic community page where everyone can sign up and become friends and you can basically network with other artists or other uh, individuals who have promotions or basically business-minded individuals like yourself. Mm. Um, We have brackets of promotions, production, uh, even uh, booking. So if artists need a venue to go to, they definitely have that opportunity to you know, access all full scale from printing. I'm pretty sure you guys want to be involved in this as well because it'll increase, you know, awareness of your business throughout the city of San Diego. No CEO has been created basically as an umbrella company to basically give everyone the opportunity to promote each other. If I have a CD coming out tomorrow, it's like it's everyone's CD. It's the whole city CD. It's no CEO means... Exactly that. There's no one in charge of anyone else. I have my company, Submission Entertainment. You, are, as an independent artist, I'm pretty sure you believe in an entity of yours. Right. And so that is your that is your company. You're the CEO of that company. Yeah. I'm a brand almost. You're, you're your extent. own trademark. Exactly. You're a piece of you. You're. There's not going to be another you ever. And whatever ideas that are manifesting in your head, they're yours. You know, and you can create them and create them and make them reality but regardless it has to be marketed to someone it, it has to be marketed to someone and that's what no ceo does is it takes any product or service and it pushes it to everyone else it through the internet through footwork uh basically it's a promotional leg i uh we just sort of kind of jumped into the show real quick there <laughs> And you finished that OG. I apologize. I'm on my own show. No, no, no. I should well, record it everywhere I go, I promise. No, that's, I, I like to have this like sort of beginning banter before yeah. the show. Yeah, definitely. But um, now that you got that out there, let's. Um, I just want to thank you for coming up and taking time to do the hey, show. Hey, how's it going, people? Let's, let's, let's jump back a little bit real quick before we get into, into now. Let's begin at the end. At the beginning. Right, like a Reservoir Dog. Exactly, I love that movie. Or maybe even Memento. <laughs> I haven't finished that one. Oh, yeah. But I like all the tattoos. Oh, yeah, that's good. Remember Sammy Jenkins. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you um, you grew up in Chicago, Yes, yeah, right? Chicago, Illinois. Or you were born in Chicago? I was born in Chicago. I actually grew up in El Cajon City. El Cajon City. 619, El Cajon City. The box, the little corner of El Cajon 
called Third Street, actually. <laughs> right by Granite. I went to Granite Hills. It was fun. I went to El Cajon at first. I'd rather the social life that Granite provided, so I went to Granite the last um, couple of years. You know, and we've known each other for, for a long-ass time. Do you remember when we met? Even before we reacquainted ourselves, I remember when we met. It was... The original meeting? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, that what was that, like 15 years ago even, or 14? Seventh grade. Sixth grade. In between oh, sixth how, and yeah, seventh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or exactly, exactly. Grade? Oh, yeah, it was, as a matter of fact, that's when I came out here. Right in between sixth and seventh grade is when I came to El Cajon, and, you know, that's when my social life began here. Everyone kind of included me from the beginning and it was it was great you know yeah. it was like i was never so accepted from anywhere in in any short point of time in my life than right then well um let's uh let's let's jump back and talk about when we first met okay. um and it, i'm glad to get you on the show because um we both partook in a, a program called the natural helpers exactly mrs padilla i love and her. you were at el cajon junior high and yes. I was at Greenfield Junior yes, High, so I, I came that. from the other school. Exactly. And basically, what what the program was was a project to teach kids basically how to become therapists. Exactly. Really, and what it was was a, a peer mentor, a peer mediation group where where the the counselors would involve uh, the peers, obviously in in uh, disputes among teens exactly. as opposed to an adult coming in and, and giving them their point of view they actually taught us taught their us. job exactly at 12 and 13 um as a way to to squelch conflicts and to learn how to uh to Media. deal with these things that are happening exactly and I, i've been wanting to find people who have done it and bring them and figure out how much of that stuff has stuck with you over time yeah because i know for me personally I learned so much from that, and at a young age, I've I've talked about it before that it seemed like maybe at that young age, maybe I shouldn't have known all of those techniques, yeah. even though they all came from a positive place. Exactly, there was manipulative aspects to it because you're you're being taught to control people's emotions. Exactly, but you using are. your words in a yeah. very specific way. So there's a, a kind of a, man, a manipulative aspect to that do you remember the um the retreat that we went on yeah that's we, i have pictures from that that i want to show you i gotta yeah. try to find them before you go they, they they set us up beautifully they gave us scripts of very possible likely scenarios to happen right in front of your eyes in school but we acted them out and we all acted them out everyone mm -hmm. had different scenarios we i think we might have drew them from a hat but yeah. we all actually acted out our scenario. We all had our own, and then we participated in everyone else's. Like, there were three included in each group, I believe. And it was amazing, in retrospect, because it is exactly what they were wanted us to do. Like you said, they were teaching us their job. Yeah. And they gave us the opportunity to see things differently. Like, take three steps back when conflict happens and understand it, and then come in and be able to manipulate both sides Basically, conflict resolution at 12. <laughs> like, so clearly, just having you say that, it's obvious that it has stuck with you, too. Yes. And I assume it has to for all these other people who at least paid attention. Yes. You know, I'm sure there were some kids involved in the program that were just like, fuck it, I don't really give a shit. But I really think it had a, a fair, you know, I think I've always sort of had a little bit of a different type of mind. But learning those aspects, learning how to sort of step out of that uh, immediate reality and just sort of examine it from yeah. an outsider's perspective. I don't think most kids take that route because yeah. we're not taught that shit. We're not taught. If that I shit. wouldn't have been taught it, it may have taken me much longer to learn it. Yeah, exactly. Especially at an older age, they hit us right at the right time. We were absorbent and we're very accepting of pretty much anything, especially in a positive format, you know? If something was negative, we shunned away from it at that age. Yeah. If something was positive, we were more open to intake it, you know? And what's um, interesting, too, is that at that age, we all want to be adults, right? We all want to be, like, we're 25 exactly. at, at and 13. They, they gave us the opportunity to be a mentor. Like, it was peer, peer, helper, peer helpers, I apologize, which was basically, you know, 
individual leaders. They taught us to be leaders at a young age. They picked the, they handpicked us out. I think they. I don't even know how that happened. Well, you know, I know how it happened from my school. How did they is happen? in sixth grade they went to all the sixth grade classrooms and had people vote on the person that they trust the most. So we're being as as counselors, you're being that's told crazy. people's secrets wow, that you crazy. have to keep to yourself because there's that confidentiality agreement between like a therapist and a patient that to a certain extent we had to also do that. So I guess people have always sort of confided in me their secrets because I'm I'm not one to go run and tell somebody else. That's crazy. I mean, so you know, and whether that's, that's how it all that's went dope. down, but that's that I ended up being the one that got that's voted, dope. and it was really strange too because it wasn't like. I was like Mr. Popular at the school, you know. Like there was tons of kids that were you way were more popular. You're like, the guy that they looked at and said, "I would trust him." Yeah. To you know, in any situation, this is the go-to guy. That's awesome. I, you got voted into like that's a presidency. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if that's how the presidency works. Well, you know, kind of, <laughs> yeah. kind of. In theory, it does. Yeah, in theory, in theory, there's no electoral. College that. So that's good. I'm glad to hear that uh, that that is still working for, yeah. for other people. I, what I think is awesomely crazy about that is the system that you went through is possibly the system that every other kid going into Elkhorn Junior High went to as well in their sixth grade year. I came into Elkhorn beginning seventh grade year. I was already I just showed up and enrolled and was placed into peer helping program. And so that that's what's amazing about it is just that the teachers probably told me that's where I went. And so I had to I kind of made that assumption too that maybe the teachers in sixth grade had some sort of yeah yeah I, no to I'm that. pretty sure that's what it really boiled down to even if you know the vote was close the teachers were the deciding there were there is an electoral college yeah um now what is also crazy is that like I said I came directly from Chicago and I enrolled the teachers probably picked me I would turn in my homework. We had a 12-page paper doing photosynthesis, and this is in high school later on. I had to turn it in. My teachers had a meeting later and asked, where did this kid come from? I Basically, this whole paper, 12 pages of photosynthesis, rhymed. <laughs> the whole thing. It was a very deep, thought-out page, uh, a paper on photosynthesis. I mean, but the thing rhymed. And these guys thought I was brilliant. Little did they know that I was just having fun. <laughs> I'm like, photosynthesis, yay, cool, let's go. <laughs> and, but these guys dissected it and saw it as, wow, this is something different. This is not what we see normally. And it yeah. really isn't. It's something that, you know, I got the opportunity to provide since seventh grade. Well, let's say at that time, I'm, I'm assuming music was already a part of your life. Yeah, my dad was the basis of the sta- staple singers. That's kind of something, a hidden fact. Nice. So what what kind of stuff was being played around the house when you were young? The staple singers, mostly. Um, <laughs> a lot of things. A lot of things. You know what? I honestly didn't really listen to hip-hop growing up. I was a Pink Floyd fan. I was a... The, I, was, I listened to The Doors and The Grateful Dead and the staple singers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but as, in high school, I didn't listen to hip-hop for the most part either. Um, or junior high, I apologize. And in, in high school, my bands growing up were Metallica and Nirvana. Do you feel like that maybe is part of um, the environment that you found yourself in? Because, yeah. I mean, at that at that time, Granite Hills in particular was almost all white kids. Yeah. There was a few Mexicans and like three black kids. Yeah, I was one of them. Yeah, but and then when I you showed it. up, you had the big full Fro, afro yeah, too. Awesome. So you were like super, super afrocentric, right? Yeah, the guy into this real sort of white bread kind of. Well, my grandma is actually a German and Norwegian, and my dad is a Mason. But I mean, let's face it: if pe- people oh, classify one another, way different. Yeah. I was way different, and like people, there were some kids in the school that never sat next to a black kid before, and it was cool. To me, it was like the best experience ever. I wanted to be the first black guy they were ever introduced to. Yeah. That way it was the easing into the scenario. Because, I, like I said, my grandmother was white. So I basically, and I was raised by her. Yeah. So she basically taught me etiquettes of, you know, not necessarily African-American culture. And so I, I would be a guy to say, hey, you know what? If you had a fear at all at any point or just an, an, a misunderstanding or just a missing knowledge of the culture of African-Americanism. If 
that helps. Uh, <laughs> um, then, you know, I want to be the one to kind of break the ice and say, look, I have a big fro. You can touch it. It's soft. You well, know? You know, that, that makes sense, too, because, you know, like, let's say let's say a kid who came from um, a different type of upbringing with, that didn't have any connection to a white culture at all. So you already had some of that stuff ingrained. So you probably didn't feel that disconnect from white people that that maybe some other black people don't have any connection to white people in their exactly. life at all. Exactly. So we have that in same with white people. If you have exactly. no black people in your life at all, at all then you, you have, have this weird sort of disconnect. Like you have, it's, a, it's not necessarily even a disconnection because we're, we're, we're connected all the time, but it's a, a like a, a mysterious not knowing. You know, if you don't know something, you just kind of choose to either not understand it or you choose to search and understand it. Yeah. And, you know... Well, that's how I think is like, you have an understanding. And so, I mean, I grew up around a bunch of black kids, too. So, like, I had that culture mix young. Yeah. So, like... And that's I, the key, is young. If you get the culture mix young, it doesn't matter pretty much to a kid. It's hard to slowly break someone into something that they're not used to. And that was in El Cajon. Like, I think the the only 10 black families lived in the same apartment yeah, complex. Yeah, the Johnson is the <laughs> 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 yeah, Right. Yeah. No, um, El Cajon has actually become the melting pot of San Diego, too. I love the city. Like, it's great. It's some. It's a place, it's a culture shock for anywhere. If you're a black kid that's never really affiliated yourself too much, or your family maybe has kept you sheltered, from Mexicans, Chaldeans, whites, and Asians, and any other form of culture, Elkhorn is the place to break that ground, definitely. And, you know, everyone's friendly. It's like when I first came here, with open arms, everyone accepted me, and it was just a beautiful thing, you know? I mean, I, it probably helped that I walked up with open arms accepting everyone. For but, sure, you got what you were what you were giving out. Exactly, the you know? and that's important. That's, that's important, right? Yeah, it is. Because people great. find what they're looking for based on the thoughts that they're they're putting together. Exactly, exactly. It's very important that you. I believe in energies, and I always have. I don't even know why I did at such a young age. I don't religiously, honestly. I believe in something called gebets. I actually just made that up. <laughs> but what it's called, it's, it's, it's an acronym for the Great Energy Ball in the Sky. Gebbets. That's my God. I pray to Gebbets. The Great Energy Ball in the Sky. And it's basically everything. It's encompassed in everything. Everything is energy. This computer table is made up of millions of different molecules and atoms. And each one of those atoms have a proton and an electron. And those electrons hold together to make this big picture of a, or a, a bookcase or a computer desk. Now, those energies come from something. And in actuality, I am made up of those same energies. And the, so this and me are one to an extent, living or not. And this microphone and me are one. And the sounds that come out of my mouth are part of me it's also part of that microphone. It's just energy. It's all energies. If those broke into a million tri trillion pieces, they would just scatter into infinity and mix around. And but there would be positive and negative energies combined. And I believe that every person is those are those energies. And the balance between that negative and positive makes who you are. You know, as a person. It's so funny, man. They, they, that whole that your speech that you just gave right there, I give on the podcast every other week and i use the desk as, a, as an example every time <laughs> like this desk is the same thing as me yes oh, watch if awesome. you go through and listen that's to the awesome. show I like will. every I other will. i will every other show i say the same thing that's awesome that's awesome and you know that comes from for me it came from physics understanding physics and what that did physics brought me out of atheism a, a lack of spirituality yeah, yeah and it was funny that science helped bring me to atheism, but it was mostly me thinking I knew everything. Yeah, yeah. But, and but physics brought me out of yeah, it. Understanding that you don't know anything and that everything is everything kind of brings you back into a spirituality of believing not just in a higher being that you have to fear, but believing in you and me and this desk. <laughs> we believe in it all. We believe that this desk is gonna hold this computer. Up. That's a, the the most of the tattoos on my hands are all about that. That's dope. And that's yeah, like I'm, I'm a Mason. You are? I vocally told you guys that too, so but no, I it's okay. I, I, I actually um, don't mind. I've had two Freemasons on the show. Awesome. Hi brothers. One uh <laughs> uh my my boy who's a lawyer in Ohio, he's uh thirty three degree. Oh wow. And uh, yeah. does he does a ton of fucking really cool projects. 
and he actually helped my first guest, Nathan Simmons, um, join the lodge up in Ramona. Oh, uh, Nathan Simmons also went to Granite Hills. Do you remember him? Possibly. I, if I, I bet you, if I showed yeah, you his picture, no, no, if I saw pictures, and his grandfather was, uh, was the one who I, I believe he helped build the Masonic Lodge in Ramona, and so he went up there and joined. I did a portrait of him and stuff, and I've, I, uh, when I got into Freemasonry as an atheist, so obviously I, I wasn't going to join as an atheist yeah, yeah. because it's not, it's not, it doesn't, it's not cohesive. Something. <laughs> and so now it's like I think like I could join if I wanted to, but now like I don't really want to because of all my previous like research and learning and things. Yeah. Like I feel like I've already got a lot of out of what what the process is and what the the sort of end goal of becoming a better man is about. And I can get all those those metaphors and analogies in, in a yeah, whole yeah, bunch yeah. of different other places. Yeah, yeah, you can get them in any book. Any and I actually, book. I have Freemason books, like like lodge books that I've got from people and things. The, um, you can I'll, get, let me you show you, I'll show you my collection before we get there. You can get some books in libraries or borders or there. I mean, honestly, most books that they that they consider secret are on the internet. I yeah, mean, you can get them. Yeah, anywhere. the information is out there. But it's, nothing, kind of, it, it's You don't know anything. It's nothing that you can't find out. Yeah. It's, nothing. it's just you have to be one of those people that are willing to, to go understand do the it right and research. know it and want to know it. Yeah, exactly. You have to want to know it and want to understand it. Because there's something very different about being taught about something, or or not even being taught, but being um, spoken to, or like having a conversation about something that becomes more like our modern day dialect between yeah, one another, yeah. where it becomes easier to understand. From someone who's maybe an elder who's been learning these things for forty years, exactly, exactly and it's easier exactly, to help you exactly. help help someone not so familiar well, understand. What it is is the the basic model of the whole thing is through repetition comes perfection. The more you do anything, the better you're gonna get at it, and that's just the bottom line. You have to learn. Okay, um, take this for example, promotions. There's no how to or the dummy's guide for promotions at all. To be a promoter, a a, a promoter is not even a real legitimate job. You don't have a salary. You don't get paid from someone else consistently unless the arrangement's like that. For the most part, you have to create your own business and your own hours, your own scenario. And you have to go out to one club and say, I'll promote your Wednesday nights and bring you a consistent draw. I'll go to this club and say, I'll do your Thursday nights. Go to this club, Monday is open for you, cool. And if that can continuously happen, you can arrange a staff and staff these guys at a salary or a, a hourly rate and then create jobs and a business that is stemming from basically someone's ambition to go knock on someone's door and say, I'll do your Tuesday nights if you're looking kind of slow. And that's pretty much what I've done for the most part. What I see is over the time, I've gotten better at it. And the more you do anything, the better you get at anything, period. The repetition comes perfection. And that is basically what the overall belief of masonry is. I mean, there's a lot of other things that are sure. basic in tie-ins, but basically it says just keep doing what you do. And the network that you assemble through masonry will help you get there. Um, how long have you, how long have you been involved? Like four years. Yeah. Well, my dad was a mason, so it was almost inevitable. But like Speaking, I said, the network is the key. The network and the belief in what you want to do. Obviously, since you had music in the genes through your father, Staples what? Singers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the I I'll take you there. Baseline is probably one of the greatest baselines ever, and that was him. So that you know, I probably will sample that baseline over. I'll do a whole album with that baseline sample different ways. I'll go grab. <laughs> I'll go grab the YouTube or the find the MP3. And yeah, definitely, there. definitely. So, when did you start getting involved in in the making of music? About seventh grade, when I got to El Cajon, I w I didn't know anyone, and I had uh you know this itch. In class, I would be doing homework, and I'd finish with my homework or doing you know whatever we were doing in class. And I'd get bored, and so I just started jotting things down on the paper. And you know, I'd be at home in my room, and you know, I'd hear uh, Nas, Illmatic, or something like that, and I'd just start rapping over it, like, "Hey, I can do that too," you know. And it was kind of fun, you know. Freestyling off the top of the head consistently got me better at it, and so you know, after a while, I mean, it wasn't very long. I think before I got to high school, I was pretty efficient at rapping, like. You know, and that kind of built 
a liking to me. You know, I no no one knew who I was in junior high and high school, but through high school, they actually understood. Hey, that's a guy named Tim Burton. And on top of that, Edward Scissorhands came out around that time, and so <laughs> I'll tell you what, because I, I, I posted that I was interviewing Tim Burton, I had at least three or four people that were like, "What the fuck, the director?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check out the show. <laughs> yeah. See, so that is not me. I'm. Uh, well, if you didn't know, first of all, we have we. There's a couple of different things different about us. You know, um, one we have different color hair. Um, he's a little bit taller than me, maybe a little slimmer. Um, he's a director too and a producer of movies. He's you know. And, you know, if you guys grew your hair out, it might actually look kind of the same. To we have our, our, our cheek structure is similar. I I, I gotta say, and, you know, I, I th- but you know what the difference really is? The biggest difference, I'm cuter than he is. Uh, <laughs> That's the biggest difference. <laughs> when do you start recording and doing performances and shit? Because I let's say we we knew each other in high school, and then we linked back up probably a couple of years out of high school. And started uh, hanging out and going to some shows and things together around the same time. Yeah. Well, I was... Uh, my first experience of actually recording a lot of, in the studio was with a guy named Tim Comitz. Lecture. Shout out to Lecture. You'll probably hear this. I'll tell everybody about you and it'll blow you up now. Um, <laughs> Lecture, he he, got, he had a four track and he invited us to his house. Him and Chauncey Kiner and... You know, a couple of other guys in Elko High School that really had that same itch. We kind of got together after school and we'd go there. And also, there was this class called Tech Discoveries. That was pretty cool, too. It had, the, like, a studio, a studio engineering minor shop, I guess. It would have, like, just small things that'll teach you etiquettes of recording. But it wasn't nothing major. It was just something to introduce you. But then, you know, it kind of gave lecture, Tim Coleman's, the ambition to want to save his money up and go get a four track and so we all would meet over there and basically just record and record and record that's you see this little system here yeah. i would really like to update and uh no hey we start with a mac honestly this is the best thing this is just not to stray away from i promise y'all get right back but to get a studio is very simple you can spend 1200 bucks on a mac go ahead and grab a um a mic, a good mic. This is a cool mic. It's cool because it looks cool, especially. But you can get a nice standard condenser mic for under a hundred bucks, honestly. But you can get a Bluebird mic for like three hundred dollars. Then you can go get Pro Tools or Logic. Those are anywhere between three to five hundred dollar programs. And a MIDI keyboard if that's your uh, production thing, because then you can utilize uh, Reason. I could use. I could continue using GarageBand. GarageBand is awesome. GarageBand is awesome. Let's promote GarageBand. I just want to get two mics and then a soundboard to be able to run it yeah, through and yeah. have it work well, together. Actually, that wasn't for you. That was for anybody and then gonna record music for yeah. you. This is perfect. You maybe a second mic, like you said, and another line in. Yeah. And this is a perfect setup for a radio station, for a radio podcast. This is exactly what it should be because you know all the editing is done in GarageBand. Yeah. And super simple. If you super know simple. how to use any of the other Apple applications exactly. that, that work, it's almost exactly. The it's same. almost exactly the same. But um, go ahead, get back to you. Okay. So you were get you were learning the engineering and. and... So basically, what I, what I wind up doing was um, we recorded a demo. My group was Masterminds. Uh huh. And I um, still have some Mastermind stickers. Awesome, awesome. I would like some before I leave too. Okay, so um, we we basically put a t- t- put together a demo. And some guys overheard it, a company by the name of Greenleaf Productions, and they actually signed us to a deal while I was in high school. So it was a big deal. Everyone was like, oh, Tim Burton got a record deal. Not the one that did Ever Since Hands, or the one that ruined Batman. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so it was a big deal in Elko and City. So, you know, we went on tour. We actually went to Japan and Australia. We did a couple of projects with our crew as Q-Side at the time. Um, you know, we dropped some compilations, and then... We dropped a mastermind uh, album, and then you know we dropped the label actually after that. Well, they dropped us. It was that we opted not to resign because they were trying to sign us as a position like artists and clients. You know, basically us paying for their services to promote and produce, and you know, but that's not necessarily what a record deal is supposed to entail once we grew up and understood that. Yeah. So we didn't want to continue to do that. We decided, let's do this on our own. We just got raped. <laughs> I didn't like that feeling, and I never wanted to have that feeling ever again. So, But it's I, a learning opportunity, It right? was a beautiful learning opportunity. It had to work that way? I'm glad it happened, because I wouldn't be doing this right now. 
Yeah. Like I honestly took from that point on the the leadership role, the peer helping role, and saying, okay, well, these are my friends, and we all have a talent, and even the guys I don't know, I believe in them, and I believe in our city, and I believe in San Diego's atmosphere. We can take this city and turn it into a music industry city. We have that opportunity. We have, we can turn the arts into a cultural phenomenon in San Diego right now. Which, at that time, I think it's important to note, like, it was really moving in that direction. Yes, it really was um, at the time. Especially downtown was a, was a, a real strong art mecca. Yes. And what ended up happening was it, it got the... I, I hate even using the word gentrification because yeah, it, it but, sounds so stupid, but... Um, Basically, what the gentrification was was moving the homeless out of down of the main part of downtown, the East Village area, where yeah, exactly, a lot of this exactly. stuff was happening. There was a ton of street art. There was graffiti. There was artists working. There was gallery shows. There was hip hop shows. There was all music the shows all the time, and it was all like independent. Like people were doing exactly, these things on their own. Exactly. And it didn't have a corporate tie to it that was based on on making a dollar. Like everyone needed to get paid to be able to, to continue to make it work. But there was something really pure about the things that people were doing. Exactly. Especially there was that one place on Broadway up there that's the loft. at the loft. The loft, exactly. The, like it that had so that beautiful. it had that like sense of momentum going yeah, at yeah. like right around that period. What happened was right around that period, that momentum was so full and so strong that it fell into the hands of the wrong people. And the people that were governing that at the time got greedy. And so they actually became capitalists in the situation they decided you know we're going to create a entity and govern all of these scenarios and we're going to profit off of it and they tried to i won't even mention the company's name or the individuals involved in it but i know exactly who they were and that whole scene that whole movement faltered it just went away yeah everyone scattered they didn't have anything um to Utilized as a platform from that point on, you know, they they had nothing for them down that downtown scene. Even the the beaches scene, the PB scene was great. Like San Diego had a really good full scene, and it was a full steam ahead into the wrong hands. And then from that point on, no one and <clears throat> it was it was it may have been September 11th. Like a, it seemed like it was right it was, up until two thousand one, and then everyone sort of made a cultural shift, shift or like a, a mental yeah. shift. Yeah, you know what? And maybe we're coming out of it now. You know what? That 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 is very likely, and I never really thought about it that way. I didn't either. I never thought about it that way. But you know what? That is almost exactly right. Because I can date it to when I was working for Obey Giant, because they left in two thousand one to go to L A. And it was that it was that period like ninety seven to two thousand one that was like awesome. Damn, something's mas- happening. That was the mastermind era. I say it as we we released three albums. The epitome was released in two thousand and one. That was a great you know era. We were ready to go. I don't and it, but then maybe everyone was, got sad. Everyone got sad, and no one and everybody tightened up their belts. No one wanted to invest. No one wanted to participate. Everyone wanted to protect their families and their homes and just work hard and, you know, do what they're supposed to do. You know, outside of the box became not what you wanted to do at the time. I think it, it, it pushed us more to towards separation, too, maybe, in that we were just like, well, just stick to the people that we know because we don't know what that next person... It, it created a sense of fear of, it, of, of strangers. When George Bush took over the country became conservative. They want to limit your affiliation with anybody outside of your home. They want you to eliminate too much. They, they don't want you to tie yourself with anything for the most part. They want to keep you in your little box called home, going to work, coming home, going to work, coming home. And if you interfere with inside, anything outside the bracket, they'll create a, a, a realm of almost illegality of, of it you know yeah. they'll, they'll create a law to keep you feeling like you have to do this and at the same time let's also recognize that when something so negative happens there's also a positive on the other end of that because it, at that same period was when the internet started to become available to everyone, everyone. not just exactly. a few rich people who had computers and a, yeah, a dial-up line. exactly that was great that was a great time too because of that technology became accessible before that like you know what though it might not have been the greatest thing because it kept everyone at home 
They kept but, them downloading. However, they kept them downloading music instead of running the Best Buy buying CDs. So let's say I, I I get that point, but in talking about the ways that we separate from one another and and start conserving our everything, yeah. Uh, with the internet, it we could just look at it as just strictly a learning and communication tool. Yeah. So even though the communication is not quite the same, we have to realize that we've already we jumped into that shell already. And although it's not us out shaking hands and 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 it's having face to face contacts, we're we're still communicating. And not only that, but we're communicating with a much broader audience than we ever had before. Yeah. And there is a level of truth that comes out of that when you're able to have those conversations. Yeah. Now, we if we're looking at it from a negative perspective, we're like, well, this isn't real communication. It's not. It's not real human interaction. But we already decided back if we, if this idea that we have is true that in nine eleven that we all sort of jumped into our cocoons. We were there before we were communicating. So we already decided to cut that communication off. Right. Any further communication that we build up from that point is is positive. It's new. It's brand new. Yeah. It, it comes from a different shell. So, but it's weird that maybe it's taking us that 10 years, that decade of, of oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Now, 10 years later, maybe we're finally coming out of that because I'm catching more of like these conversations that you and I are having right now. People's creativity levels are, are, are increasing. Yeah, like their ambitions people are, are yeah. increasing. And people are understanding the shit that you're be that you've been fucking shoveled in your face for ten for the last ten, 10 years, years, twenty years. Like the, it's bullshit. You didn't have to go every day to that nine to five and slave the, that ten years. You could have created a nine to five for someone else to slave for, or not even that. You didn't have to see it at that at all. You can give people opportunities to work. To flourish. To flourish, to build, to succeed, to progress. And that, and in, in doing that, when we help others in that way, that also builds ourselves up. Exactly. This city right now, right now, San Diego, is so ready. It's been, it was ready then, it's ready now. Like, okay, from that point on, I can tell you, as far as the music industry goes, it jumped from hand to hand. People didn't know what to do with the music scene. Right now, it's in good hands. I'll, I can show you right let's, now. Uh, well, let's uh, yeah, now yeah, that yeah. we got philosophical because we, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we will go there. Yeah, I have ADD, so we will be jumping around from topic to topic, and it will all make sense in the end. I promise. I you run. Um, <laughs> you run submission entertainment. Yes. Now, real quick, uh, with a name like that, are you into MMA? I love MMA. Course, I've uh, I just went and and checked out prices at Black House Gym in yeah, Mira Mesa, yeah, yeah. which is Nogueira's gym. Yeah, yeah, Had yeah, Anderson yeah. Silva over there, yeah, and Josie Al- Jose Aldo, all those fucking guys. Yeah, those so, guys come to our shows sometimes too. Shout out to Diego Sanchez. <laughs> so, I'm gonna start, I th- I'm gonna start going over there. It's uh, 125 bucks a month, but oh, yeah, which is dope. a little pricey, but I think if if I cut half my weed and take out, yeah, I can yeah, go, exactly, I can go exactly. get the class, and it's it's unlimited all week. I mean, takeout's cool. Duh. Just keep marijuana where that. You know, marijuana's perfect for everyone. So, oh yeah, yeah, you, know, you want to limit your marijuana intake, just your well, takeout intake. <laughs> if I, uh, yeah, I, I obviously need to keep the the THC through the through the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm actually I I probably get much more THC through the system than, than the normal. average. Okay, yeah. Than the average bear. Yeah, you probably do need to cut down and I see your little your huge jars over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the breath of a hog. Hey, it's legal. It's, <laughs> it's legal. Hey, I got my card too. I got my card too. We're, we're patients. Um so yeah, with that said, you, I you I know you're you're a hell of a working guy that you got you got something like 50 shows you said coming up 50 shows in the next five months and actually let's talk about minimal let's talk about what you're doing um in in february or maybe early march yep um let's get some of that stuff out there so people can okay uh, february 14th at fanny's happy valentine's day we're gonna um have a nice lineup of local talent they're gonna be at fanny's that's uh 9143 campo road in spring valley then we got February 16th, two days later, at the Second Wind in Santee. So all the East County heads, make sure you guys are out there. we got a nice little hip-hop lineup. And we also, by the way, these events are catered by Essie Cats Catering Services. And we also have a local merchant booth set up. So you can purchase local merchandise from artists, uh, producers, songwriters, and uh, T-shirt sponsors. 
So uh, then basically, let me not even go dates. We got every Monday at Fanny's. We got starting March 1st, every Tuesday at Lydia's Cafe, which is also the work that's worked at on Saturdays. But we're going to turn it into a hip-hop lineup. Um, Wednesdays, we're actually going to take over in April over there. I got some Thursdays, quite a few Thursdays at Satin Lounge. We're bringing down big names as well. Uh, Killer Priest from the Wu-Tang Clan will be here February 24th. March 4th, we got Yuck Mouth, uh, the Jacka, and Tash from the Alcoholics. I brought Tash from the Alcoholics down a couple times. Also brought Razzcaz down, Planet Asia. I brought the entire Wu down as well. Who else do we have? We got, and hey, we got a couple tickets for those shows. Oh, yeah. Uh, dilated the Peoples. Show. We got Dilated Peoples coming up March, uh, February 26th. I got tickets for you guys. I got tickets for you. Well, yeah, I was thinking maybe we could do something on the show. I'll If you email in to info at MikeMaxwellArt.com, a Dil- free pair of tickets for, for the Dilated show. Dilated Peoples and Killer Priest. Killer Priest, February 24th. Dilated Peoples, February 26th. We will be in the house dilated. I love them. You know, yeah, amazing awesome. live show. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Jurassic Five is up too, by the way. That's who we saw. We saw the Jurassic Five. That's who it was. Peoples and Supernat. Supernat is dope too. Seemed like there was one other act. Up I know. There. Uh, I remember Supernat though. He killed it. I know. He killed it. That was a good show. And Jurassic Five was good too. They're awesome. Good. Um. So we got that, and I'll. I'll, I'll I'll get all the links up on the blog so yeah. that so people can go check out the dates. And, so basically, and, the second wins I'll have well, Fanny's Monday, second wins Wednesday, or Lydia's Tuesday, second wins Wednesdays, and Satin Lounge Thursdays. And you know those Satin Lounge uh, poster things are. Everywhere. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've been so putting, I don't know shit about the the. That's me. That's I'm going around putting them all over the place. Yeah. No, no, you mean. Some other kids are doing Some it. other kid named Jim Curtin. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> Jim Curtin. He's my evil oh, twin. <laughs> you have something coming up in February that I saw that, that looked really interesting called the Annual Unity Meeting. Yes. And we had just discussed outside before we started the show um, about the idea of an artist union, which I have talked about with a number of different artists um, for the painting world as a way for us to stick together as opposed to like competing all the time. Exactly. Because we, we see in these capitalistic models as creative types, it's almost as if we have to compete for that extra little bit of space so that we can get our capital in and be able to pay our bills and shit. Exactly. And what that causes is a bit of a strife, which I noticed. And was something I last year was really was really poignant to me about hip hop was that like thinking about like the old school west coast east coast beef yeah. like there was a level of honesty to that where it's like hey me and you got beef be- not because of like personal things but in terms of like entertainment value yeah, yeah. like we're competing for the same stage and for that kid that's about to go to the CD shop and pick up a CD exactly. I'm trying to get in front of you so there was something in that like cutthroated honesty in yeah, hip hop yeah, that yeah, I appreciated yeah, no, as an artist that's because a beautiful way to put it too. because I recognize it in the painting world was like, we're pretending like we're friends when we're out at the show, but really I'm like, fuck that fool, I'm trying to get that spot first. Like, exactly. I'm like, I'm so it's very competitive, back. very competitive. However, learning that, that it was uh, like an insecurity in myself, and be realizing that that isn't how creativity should work. That I was I was being caught up in the money game. Yeah. That I yeah. wasn't I wasn't foreseeing what the emotions were taking place inside my own head and my own body. That it was turning out that I was just being sort of insecure about what was happening around me. Yeah, exactly. To have that opinion, and now it's like I should be encouraging people who are who are doing well for themselves, and I do that. Yeah. Um, and I've I've decided that the back to this artist union thing, if we were working together, because of this this capitalistic model, we have to we have to compete and yeah, that causes compete. animosity. But if we were working together for the better of both me and you, exactly, then we're gonna work together and it's not it's gonna be it's gonna be something wholesome, not competitive and, and what it is is that you have to compete. That's the, the what it is is you have to compete. You don't have to compete with each other. You have to compete. With yourself. You have to compete with yourself and with the, the other energies. Not your partner or not the other person doing the same thing as you, but the people who are trying to prevent you from doing what both of you are doing, which is the corporate scenario. Right. It's going into that with that positive intention where you're doing this from a pure standpoint. Exactly, exactly. And if you're doing that, you don't want to stab somebody else in the back. You, don't you have want to. somebody to you be raised to. up with you. You want, you want that person, you know that that person's success is also your own. Right. You know that because 
with purity comes success in its own too. Like you, as long as you, okay, it's like helping an old lady across the street. You don't benefit from that. You didn't. You don't get any financial gain at all. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, it might be wasting your time. You might be late <laughs> for a meeting because of it. But that feeling of accomplishment and doing something positive for someone else and knowing that you helped, that is success. Which is what I, I talk about as an artist, a full-time artist. Like I gain wealth all the time because I'm doing that. I'm accomplishing a task and a goal and, a, and, exactly. a, and something that's semi-difficult every time I finish a new painting. So I get this level of accomplishment almost every day that I can be proud of what I've done. And a lot of people just go to work and do their shit so they get out there and get a paycheck. Yeah, and yeah. they're proud when they go buy the fucking Corvette or exactly, the, the big flat screen. Exactly, exactly. You know? I, I, I go to sleep every day with a smile on my face. I have to because if I don't, I'll wake up with a grimace. You know, and yeah. I, I gotta know. And that's not to say that life ain't hard. It's oh, just as hard for you everyone, and me as it is for and, everyone. Dude, when you wake up every morning, you know that you have an agenda. You know that you can't just wake up to nothing or no form of ambition to accomplish something. You know that there's You can if that's your ambition, though. Yeah, that, but honestly, even if that's your ambition, you got to understand what, what then you are perceived as or from the outside. If you have no ambition and you show that, then, you know, people look at you and say, okay, well... I have an agenda. How do I have this person incorporate into my life? And if the ambition isn't shown to do anything for yourself, then they're, they're not going to really want to incorporate you in your their life. Yeah, you but know? I'm, I'm thinking like somebody who just decides to be like a Buddha. Oh, well, I thought you meant someone. Maybe some, not just some lazy asshole. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking the lazy asshole. I was thinking the guy that said, you know Again, what, I'm going to be a intention. bum. I'm going to be a bum. <laughs> I don't want a job. I just want to be a bum. <laughs> there's something there's something pure to that as long as it, it's not because I want to drink 40s every day yeah, because I'm yeah. addicted to alcohol yeah yeah you yeah know, exactly. because I'm trying to avoid my childhood yeah well you know there's something pure if you're running away from the idea of money itself then I can I'm, I'm a firm believer in the zeitgeist sure. movement so I'm like they just put out a, another a new film. one I've watched it millions of times I, <laughs> I think I saw like an hour of it I've I watched it billions of times thing. I know it by heart so real quick back heart. to the the annual Unity San Diego Unity March or oh, excuse me February 21st at 4th and B come one come all please we're talking artists DJs uh, tap dancers singers, anything, uh, directors. I actually um, am an executive producer for a TV show called Blast TV that airs every Tuesday at 10 p.m. on Channel 18. It's a platform for artists, dancers, uh, singers, songwriters, rappers, and alike to get basically market their, their talents and or services and products on, on television. Once again, it's Blast TV, www.blast-tv.com, sorry. And that'll all be on the blog. www.blast-tv.com. Um, every Tuesday at 10 p.m. on Channel 18, Cox. Also, we got www.noceoimob.com. Noceoimob.com. And you can go check those out. Or you can check us out on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash submission ENT. Uh, about the Twitter? You on the Twitters? We're on Twitter, submission 619. Twitter, submission 619. You can also uh, fit MySpaces, <laughs> submission 619. MySpace, submission 619. Yeah, Twitter, Reverb Nation, anything, any other form of digital promotions, I'm pretty sure you can find this on to Google, YouTube. We just did a new video, too. That's pretty good. It's called uh, Stress Ball. Now you should talk to the Jolsons, man. They're I doing, love those they're guys. Doing, uh, I know. I want to do one of my videos. I want them to do my video. I'm going to talk to the Jolsons. I love Kevin Jolson. He's the best. Hey, do the math. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Well, was there anything else you wanted to get out there? You, oh, you think we covered everything? Uh, let me see. You, you covered uh, my list. Uh, did I? We didn't even go down the list, did we? Kill it? Oh, I guess we did. Annual Unity meeting. Make sure you guys are there. February twenty first, fourth uh, and B. It's a free meeting. There's no cover charge. We just want everybody to sit down and discuss the next three months in the city. We basically had lie out a big calendar and we go over all the promoters' events, all of everyone's, uh, you know, agendas, and we try to incorporate them into one big agenda. Which is great, city. which is what we need because our city is so fucking spread out, it becomes it's diluted. so spread out. I see it as this. We have markets, multiple markets. Everything is marketable. You as a 
artist is a mark you're your own market and where you're generally region from is where you find your demographic of your market there's uh there's a east county there's north county there's southeast east dago there's north park south bay there's uh downtown college the beaches mission valley and i think I'm, I'm not sure if i left anything out but that's pretty much san diego that's everything in san diego and every little small market that has their own sub bracketed demographic now if we saturate those individual markets if i take uh el cajon and santee and la mesa and spring valley and i throw hip-hop shows in all of those areas and i create a format and i have all the promoters and all of those venues dip into a small talent pool in that same general area that's a format that I'm working on right now. Where I could take that, franchise that, and bring it to the South Bay and have them do the same thing in their general area. Take that, franchise that to uh, downtown, college area, beaches, uh, North Park, South Bay, East Dago, South Bay, you know, the same general areas. And we could all govern our own small circuits, our musical circuits, and then those all can tie into one big circuit, which is, by the way, I learned all of this stuff through masonry. Um, but <laughs> it basically makes it to where our, we have a living, breathing circuit. It doesn't govern, it governs itself. There is no CEO. Everyone will be their own bosses. It'll be, and that's exactly. I took the the Mason model as well, thinking of this artist program to the, where the I can have galleries in every major city of the country, and have people that work in those communities be involved in those, exactly. but have it be a setup a setup connected system to where an artist from San Francisco can go on tour, come down to San Diego, do a show, fly out to New York, have a place to work there, do a show there, take most of the money, but then, of course, in the system, everyone who's working towards bettering the system kicks back to the system. Exactly. And the, the, the hitch is to not get that, like, president, vice president in that, like, are, I mean, that's how it works in the in the Masonic system. Right, Maybe not right, with those right. titles, but there's a, hierarchy, yeah, no, there's, there's of levels, a hierarchy of levels. But like to have it to where it's not one person gaining all the wealth exactly. and not everybody working together to... What it is, there's always a hierarchy in the system only because you need people to specifically do their jobs. If you don't do your job and you worry about the other person's job, that's going to bleed into what... Yeah, departments have to be ran in a particular way. They have to be way. ran in a particular way and they have to be overseen in a particular way. Like, you have to make sure that, that even though someone's the president of a particular scenario or whatever, he someone has to be making sure that that guy's doing his job, you know? And, you know, someone has to be making sure that... There is no real top guy ever. There will never be a top yeah. guy. There will be a committee of individuals that report to each other. That, and that's pretty much how that will work. And they will possibly be elected. I'm not sure. I wouldn't even know how to. I know they wouldn't be handpicked. I know they wouldn't be cousins or relatives yeah. or you know yeah. a certain bloodline. I definitely wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't have that. You know, but I definitely. You know, elections would probably be the best way to do that. To just take certain areas and say, okay, we have these five representatives that we believe in. We believe they have the best interests and in what yeah. the overall. And it's important that all creative types go out there and do this because the more I do these podcasts and talk to people who are being creative in different ways, we're all exactly the fucking same. We all have the same stories. We all go through the same things and we all need the sort of same support from these communities. And it's a great idea. Build up these communities and then have the communities work together. together That way everyone accomplishes their own goal because honestly, it's the same goal. Which maybe we're moving back. I, I like that idea that we're moving back to that pre two thousand one era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, was, I wanted it feels to, that way. I wanted to happen. I I see it. I see it. It's right there. We have the tools. What we didn't have in two thousand one, we have right now. We have a television show. We have the opportunity to broadcast podcasts. I mean, that is something that we didn't have in two thousand and one. We have those accesses to those media talks. Now we actually just put out a magazine, the No CEO magazine. We have March issues coming pretty soon. We have, uh, you know, actual medias to inform people of exactly what's going on and exactly how to be involved. By the way, I'm booking for shows too, 619-646-7592, or you can contact my assistant Mercedes at 619-559-0741. Sorry, I have to keep doing that. And uh, shout out to Vision Smoke Shop, uh, California Best Meds, San Diego Organic Wellness Association, 
So the Treehouse Club, there. yeah, yeah, they're, they're one of our sponsors. The Treehouse Club, also shout out to No CEO, no uh, shout out to B Shop, shout out to uh, Blow Big Entertainment, and shout out to uh, Fanny's Satin Lounge, shout out to Killer Priest, shout out. Oh yeah, by the way, don't tell anybody I said this, but um, we're bringing down Method Man and Ray. But don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Besides, it'll, it'll, I'll, I'll give you some. I'll give you uh, a hint. The month begins with an M. Yes. Be aware. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, of course, when all that stuff goes public, we'll, we'll plug yeah, all that yeah, shit. Yeah, we'll, we'll have tickets for you guys. You know, we'll do some kind of a raffle or whatever, the, you know, the normal system is. I'll bring tickets to every show we have, and I'll make sure that your show kind of provides fun. Yeah, make sure uh, I'll have tickets for the Dilated People the Show. The Dilated People Show and Killer Priest right now. Priest. So make sure you could shoot me an email or, um, or send me a message on the Facebook, uh, MikeMaxwellArt.com. You could get all those links over there. But yeah, I think that's a that's a good spot to to do this thing. Thank you very much for doing the show, man. I awesome. appreciate it. Awesome.